Chapter 19 of An Irishman's Difficulties with the Dutch Language by Kiwi Nguayle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anna Simon. Chapter 19. A Gossipy Letter. Don't talk any more about that grammar book, I interposed. It's all very well in its way, but it doesn't account for half Jack's adventures. Now I can let you into a secret. Please don't look so apprehensive, O'Neill. As it happens, I had a descriptive letter from Enderby just about the time that Jack was making the most brilliant progress with his Dutch vocabulary. It gave me a vivid picture of what was going on in The Hague when this linguist of ours got really started to work. Here are two of these long epistles. In the first he tells me all about the McNamaras, Jack's cousins, you know, who came across from Kilkenny for a trip to Holland. They were at the Oude Doelen when he wrote, and our friend Jack was posing as a great Dutch scholar and showing them the sights. From Enderby to Kiwinagwale, Doelen Hotel, The Hague. My dear Kiwinagwale, you would be amazed to see the confidence with which O'Neill acts as guide to the McNamaras. McNamara Pair is mostly buried in museums, or is on the hunt for archaeological papers, so Kathleen and Terence are left on Jack's hands. He has been everywhere with them, and has evidently impressed them with his astounding Dutch. To them it seems both correct and fluent. They have only had three days of it as yet, and haven't had time to find him out. Kathleen is as haughty as ever, and I can see she chaves at being obliged to submit to the direction of a mere boy, as she regards Jack. She was furious the day before yesterday, when in passing through one of the back streets he asked her if she had ever noticed what the Dutch government printed in front of the surgeries. She glanced up and, to her horror, read, Hier mangled men. It was only a momentary shock. She guessed soon enough what it meant but it gave her a turn all the same. Perhaps it wasn't a very finished kind of joke, but she needn't have been quite so fierce about it. "'You're cruel,' she said, "'cruel and heartless. Why, even your dogmatic and intolerable chum, Mr. Van Leeuwen, wouldn't have been so harsh as that.' Now it was that little speech of hers that suggested something to me. Was there ever anything between her and Van Leeuwen? They were at the university about the same time, and it seems Van Leeuwen was a great friend of the father, who had him down to his place in the country and showed him his manuscripts. But I believe Kathleen couldn't stand him. They used always to be arguing about the suffragettes, and passed for official enemies, in a way, at least as uncompromising leaders on opposite sides. She was fond of saying that Van Leeuwen was a standing proof that mere learning couldn't enlarge the mind. Once, in a private debate, she referred to him as a learned barbarian and a retrograde medievalist. She was called to order for it, of course, but her apology didn't amount to much. She said she wouldn't mind dropping the adjectives, but she would stick to the nouns. I believe Van Leeuwen was quite content, however, and congratulated his witty antagonist on the fact that she would mellow with time. 
We always thought in these days they were sworn foes and always would be. But I have a dim idea there is now more friendly interest on both sides. And, by the way, von Leeuwen has been carrying on brisk correspondence with O'Neill, especially since he heard the McNamaras were expected. He has offered his services and those of his motor to all and sundry, especially if they hail from Dublin, so I don't think he can be keeping up very much of a grudge. But I was going to tell you about Jack. Lately I had noticed that his Dutch vocabulary was growing very rich. He seemed to have quite a hunger for nouns, and he used to ask the names of everything. But I have no idea of what he was up to. Today I'll find out and write you. Much haste, yours as ever, Enderby. From Enderby to Kewinigwale Dear Kewy, I've just been at the Doolan Hotel, and the Macs are gone. Very sudden, I must say. I suppose Kathleen has got tired of Holland. Or is she trying to avoid von Leeuwen? You see, McNamara Mare had written me a friendly little note from Kilkenny, telling me that the doctor, as she always calls her husband, had got a trifle absent-minded since his deafness became troublesome, and would I look him up occasionally during his stay in The Hague and give him some advice about the Rhine? Well, when I reached Vieux-Doulen, the birds were flown. Gone at six o'clock, I was told, the three of them, to Cologne. Quick work, I thought. So I made a bee-line for O'Neill's. He surely would know about this sudden departure." and in any case I wanted to get a glimpse of his new mysterious studies. Just fancy! The landlady met me at the door with tears in her eyes. "'Oh, meneer, meneer!' she exclaimed, half-sobbing. "'Ik vrees voor meneer O'Neill. Hij studeert te veel, of ik weet het niet, maar het is niet goed met hem. Ik geloof,' and here her voice sank to a horrified whisper, dat hij een beetje kinds geworden is, want hij heeft speelgoed gekocht en hij maakt overal zo een rommel. Ja, juffrouw, I strove to explain. Meneer studeert natuurlijk. But she persisted. O, oh, meneer, studeren is het niet. Hij ziet het scherm voor een kachel aan en verknoeit alles. Ik ben zo bang, zo benauwd. Ik durf het huis niet uit van maandag af al. Rather flustered by all this, I promised to call the doctor if it were necessary, then climbed up the stairs to O'Neill's door. All was still. I knocked and entered. What a sight met my eyes! Indeed, it was enough to astonish more experienced people than the landlady. Neatly fastened on one side of the table was a model train, engine and all. Beside it was a toy house, with yard, garden, and stiff wooden trees. Then there was a bit of a doll's room with a kitchen stove. And verily, to every one of these articles there was a label affixed. There sat the student, pen in hand, with a dictionary and a gum-bottle at his elbow. Snippets of paper littered his writing-desk and the floor around. His unfinished lunch, labelled too, looked down reproachfully from a pile of books built on the table. Over the gorgeous screen that hid the hearth a conspicuous card was hung, bearing the mystic inscription, What ought to be here? Kachel. 
no wonder the careful hospita was upset it would have been hard to say whether the apartment was more like a museum or an auction room he glanced up with a sort of blush when i came near but raised his hand to enjoin silence as he found the word he was in search of and wrote it down half expecting to see prices marked i examined some of the labels nearly everything had its dutch name gummed onto it such as spiegelleist behangsel schotel of bakje and even on his sleeve mouw van mijn jas it's all right he burst forth enthusiastically doing burlitz dutch you see self-taught too splendid plan three hundred words a day i'll have two thousand new nouns at my fingers ends before the max are back from the drachenfels precious few things in the ordinary way of life i won't know then eh hey, what then it dawned upon me he was getting up vocabulary nouns of course he said all nouns that's the secret true basis of any language it's a discovery of my own if you know the names of two or three thousand material things you can never be at a loss but i stick in a proverb too here and there wherever it comes handy see he held up the sleeve of his dressing-gown on which the candid announcement was made in bold round hand ik heb het achter de mouw and pointed to his bread-knife which was tastefully adorned with the words het mes op de keel zetten yes i saw well then he explained and argued and tried to proselytize me he was making hay while the sun shone which meant that he was preparing in the absence of terence and kathleen for his famous cycling tour getting on his armour in fact in such spirits i had never seen him and i must say he made out a good case for his method it seems he had anticipated most of the queries he might be obliged to put during his travels he had docketed every part of a railway carriage and even mastered all sorts of regulations from those of the luxe train to buurtverkeer and from the yearly ticket to the humble perron kaartje it looked very thorough and i understood that he had treated his cycle the same way but i have grave doubts i am the more confirmed in my scepticism from what the landlady told me at the door after reassuring her on the score of o'neill's health i emphasized the fact that he was going on a trip and must practice dutch by way of preparation that was worse than all she thought as meneer o'neill would certainly come to harm hij is zo veranderd he het is zo eng yesterday he had asked her about the print of a sea fight that her little boy had put up in the hall she said it was de ruiter and began to expatiate on that hero's achievements but he cut her short with een beroemde man was hij zeker misschien de grootste waterbaas van zijn tijd i explained that he probably meant zeeheld but not remembering the right term in time had taken one like it but the landlady could not be pacified het doet me huiveren te denken dat hij op reis gaat she said i was not without my apprehensions either for he means to start out next week 
with two thousand new words. He'll probably find that such hastily acquired information is not without its drawbacks. But more again. Vale, vale. As ever yours, Phil Enderby. P.S. The Macs are gone to Bonn, where your uncle expects to find wonderful manuscripts. Not much fun for Kathleen, though. And Terence will be bored to death. Why doesn't O'Neill bring him back to Holland and show him Amsterdam and other towns? End of chapter 19